welcome back to Hype A, a podcast amplifying voices in the arts. If you want to be inspired or want to get into the arts, you've come to the right place. Tune in and turn on every Thursday. If you'd like to provide sponsorship and support Hype A through advertising your business on the podcast, why not reach out through the contact page on hype-a.com. That's hype-a.com. We now have a new service where subscribers get access to subscriber-only content for future and past episodes for just $2.99 a month. This new service supports the podcast Hype A moving forward, and it allows us to continue providing high-quality content from leaders in the arts. For season six, the theme is discoveries. What have you been discovering? Has it been mental, emotional, physical, political? We will be talking about these discoveries and more with our guests this season and how it has impacted their creativity overall. Today for episode three, we have Joe Rudko. Joe is a Seattle-based artist who works primarily with photographs. He combines found snapshots and anonymous images to create new forms that encourage viewers to reconsider their relationship with everyday images. Joe's work has been exhibited in numerous solo and group exhibitions in Seattle, Portland, Los Angeles, New York, Denver, Houston, Memphis, and Mexico City. He has been featured in prominent publications such as Art Forum, Art in America, Juxtapose, New America Paintings, and Artillery Magazine, among many, many others. His work can be found in the collections of the Getty Museum, Portland Art Museum, Museum of Fine Art Houston, and most recently, the Morgan Library and Museum in New York. So let's welcome Joe. Hello, Joe. How are you doing? Doing well. How's it going, Crystalina? It's really good. I'm in LA, as you know, and uh, yeah, back in the States. Where are you based at the moment? Uh, I'm in Seattle. Yeah, you're back in yeah. Seattle? Yes, I've been very local because I'm just getting over COVID. So, oh, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I'm actually, this is one of the first times I've been out of my house in the last couple of weeks. So. Oh my gosh, I had no idea. Yeah. I thought I thought you were having like shows and you were traveling and and all of that so maybe that's the cause I am having shows I just didn't get to go to the opening of the last one because no. <laughs> it was sick no. yeah I know it's really it was a bummer but um yeah I, I'm feeling better now it's good to be alive it's good to hear it as well and it's lovely to have you here and you know um these things do happen you know these things do happen and it's lovely to hear your clear voice and uh looking forward to hearing everything about your current show at the moment where is your current show um so my show just opened at pdx contemporary art in portland um it's in the slab town neighborhood mm-hmm. um yeah and what which are the works that you're showing in this beautiful show uh so it's a it's an it's all new work the show is called scrapbook 
And um, I've been working in photo collage for the last decade or so. And as I've worked, I've had piles of photographs, little scraps of things that have made their way into a big pile. Um, and my, my sort of rule it will, as I work is if it doesn't hit the floor, then I like save it for perhaps some future use. And so all the stuff that hasn't um, gone to the recycling, uh, the cycling bin has been going to my own sort of bin. And so I've kind of been mining that kind of archive of scraps and uh, sort of cast offs of uh, a lot of various different projects over the years. Yeah. Um, well, they do so say, the show... they do say oh, that, they, they do say that art imitates life and life imitates art. Do you feel like you're currently collating or coming back to things that you may have discarded in your own life in order to look at in your present moment? Oh, I think he just tapped probably the, the like theme of my art practice is this uh, always kind of uh, self-examination and uh, trying to understand myself better. And so, of course, we're always changing, morphing as human beings. And so you can continually re-examine. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm in therapy. Is that the question? <laughs> I think I think we're all in therapy. I think especially after 2020, <laughs> mate. I think I think every, I think there's also no shame in in talking about getting help. And um, I think that's a courageous act, actually. And it's it's a, it's an act of self love as well to kind of speak to someone who can really help compartmentalize and uh, and 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 remove or address things that we need to address that are really difficult to talk about with our personal loved ones. Absolutely. And art can get you so far as well. I mean, I, I'm an artist, as you know, and I use my work as a, as a therapeutic practice too. But um, yeah, there are just certain things that we just need to talk to another human being about. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think, uh, I think, I don't think I recognized uh that my art was a coping strategy until a, a few years ago. And I was like, I mean, it seems very obvious in, in retrospect, but I had never put that kind of language to it. And I think that's um, that's a big reason a lot of artists are artists is because it's the way of, of dealing with something in it uh, in a, and having control in this very specific sense. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I think, this is something that has been a recurring realization through these beautiful episodes with people like yourself, leaders in the arts. We are such sensitive beings. We're so sensitive. And I actually believe really deep down that people who work in the arts are shamans in our own society. Some people may realize that and some people may not we're constantly observing, aren't we? We're constantly taking in information. We're constantly feeling other people's energies. We're constantly bringing some sort of darkness into light, I feel. Would you would you resonate with that? Yeah, that makes, uh, that makes sense to me completely. Um, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> just in the last um, year or so, um, the studio building that I'm at here, in Seattle, um, 
there's been kind of like a really nice forming of community, a lot of open doors, a lot of just sharing, no bad vibes. Um, and, you know, nothing weird, you know, because weirdness can happen <laughs> among artists in like a tight, you know, space. Um, and each one of us, I feel like, is very, has, has very high sensitivities in their own ways. Um, and I think part of what makes it work is that we all kind of under understand each other's sensitivities, at least enough to be functioning together in some sort of sense of community. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, there's, again, there's that very thin line between genius and madness, which a lot of artists um, really, <laughs> really do sense as well. Um, but talking about artists in particular and Seattle, the reason why we connected was through lovely Brian Sanchez, who was also on Hypey, uh, had a lovely conversation with him and, and he brought us together um, so that you could share your story here. How do you know Brian? Um, I have just met Brian through this studio building. So he's one of those uh, sweet people on my floor. Um, and he's just actually right next door. Um, so we've just gotten to know each other over the last couple of years, having studios in the same building and getting to know each other's work and the sort of bonding that happens when you're, uh, you know, in the studio every day working towards, you know, a show deadline or some other kind of a, a deadline so um yeah he actually has you're probably aware but he has a show up here in seattle right now that's really quite amazing and so we both were working on our shows at the same time in tandem me the show in, in portland and him in seattle and so um it was nice to kind of you know it's nice to have co-workers in the arts it can be such a solitary thing and there have been large chunks of my career where i've and I felt like I lived on a little island in a studio building, even though I was surrounded by other artists, like they weren't necessarily, um, we didn't share the same hours or, or, you know, there wasn't quite the same kind of click and the same kind of groove. Um, so, yeah, that's how I know. I know Brian and I've gotten to know him really well over the last couple of years. Yeah, it's um, it's amazing how we just end up being in our own little world uh and and it's it's a good reminder to <laughs> to 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 come back to reality let's say come back to a sense of okay i i am not just an island there are other people maybe going through the same thing that i'm going through if i just connect and communicate and find trust in other people so i can i can share my messages but also um, I think, again, artists just have this general natural camaraderie, I feel. And I, I feel like it's more moving away from competitive energies. I, I don't think there's really any necessity to compete against other artists anymore because we're all going through the same thing. <laughs> we're all needing support. We're all needing to to share some sort of uh, reflection to each other. And um, it's very interesting with your work and Brian's work, you're so both so organized <laughs> so clean I mean high pay listeners at this time I'm looking at Joe's beautiful studio and it's so gorgeous there's a wonderful sofa settee there it's it's very modern and it's kind of like a lime or a pea green and there's his work just above it and it's all very geometric and sort of gray and white and 
really cool lighting and lampshades and he's working on a work right behind him at the moment it's a work in progress and I mean complete opposite to my studio which is a complete <laughs> color bomb <laughs> um but uh would you ever think about collaborating with Brian have you spoken to him about that um I mean I think in a sense being friends and being in and out of each other's studios all the time I think we kind of are collaborating in a sense, yeah. um, but and, but we're both so self-involved, I think, that I'm not sure, like a traditional collaboration, um, I haven't had much luck with them over the years, um, and, uh, but I, I think perhaps what has, the, the thought that makes a little bit more sense or what's more, what would be a more natural move would be to like have a two-person show together. I think that would be really interesting. Um, especially like um, right now, like the works that we just kind of come up, we just came off making. Um, I had like 14, 12 inch by nine inch pieces. So very small, small, even from, you know, my standards, I usually, in the past, I've made a much larger work. And Brian's making, you know, about eight by 10 foot paintings. And so um, even the, the shift in scale, I mean, to, I mean, you use using paint um, on canvas and I'm using photographs on paper. Mm -hmm. um, but there's, um, we've definitely, we've definitely, you know, had a lot of conversations about what we're doing. And um, there's, there are some similarities. And so it could, could be, it could be just interesting to, mm -hmm. to see them next to each other. Yes, exactly. And I, I and it's interesting because Brian's work is painting, but he has this very strong interest in photography and he does photography as well behind the scenes. And your work is photographic. Um, do you also have painting behind the scenes as well? Did you start off with paint, painting? Would you consider yourself an all round artist, like a fine artist or would you want? Well, to it's, it's funny. I hadn't really quite thought about how yin and yang brian hart in like in such concrete terms before but yeah i not as much paint although i do make some paintings kind of on the side um i i've been uh experimenting and making uh drawings with pastels for the last couple of years and a lot of that sometimes will like lead towards different ideas that get put into the collages. Um, but yeah, definitely would consider myself just um, an artist at, you know, if the artist is the umbrella, you can put whatever you want underneath it. Um, you know, earlier on in my like, you know, my, in my education, when I, I went to school for um, primarily photography and I was taking my own photographs and, um, making prints and working in the dark room and i i definitely had had kind of limited myself to thinking that i was you know a capital p photographer but photographer <laughs> excuse me <laughs> um and part of that was like uh there was a feeling of safety around it it was something that was based primarily in technicalities you know the whole sort of traditions of photography it's a machine and uh, there's also careers you know you can have a job 
<laughs> so it was a little bit of a safer alternative. And then, um, and then over time, I, uh, well, I got, I got a little bit maybe bored by that safety and a little bit, uh, uh, just aware of, uh, how the medium was changing and how it was becoming increasingly more difficult to add anything into the world of, you know, capital E photography. And um, how, how have you observed it change? How have you observed photography changing since school, since college, since university to today? Oh gosh, oh gosh. Um, well, I'm not a historian, um, but uh, I mean, it, it's, uh, when I was, when I began, you know, my interest in photography as like a teenager, there was so much more of a tie of photography to truth and representation. And, um, there, and, and I guess, you know, to look at the extreme now, the thing people that are doing that I think are maybe some of the most interesting work in photography are really bending the medium, um, and the genre. And even like some of the work that's coming out of artists that are using AI to make images is I think some of the most interesting work that's coming out. So it's, I mean, it's changed quite dramatically. And and for, for the better, I think in most mediums, it seems there's this general sense of opening up that, you know, no one thing is only one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it feels more expansive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in some ways what I'm doing now, like is photography, some people categorize me as a photographer. Um, and that's, that's fine. They can do that. You know, we all have labels to make meaning. Um, yeah. So, uh, I mean, myself, I, I see, I see it as a, a largely positive positive force of, of change and uh your work is about perspective we're talking about photography perspective is involved in photography of course um aperture <laughs> um when when i went to see your show at von lintel's gallery in santa monica bergamon station the latter part of last year i was pretty blown away with your work and from afar and approaching the work it looks a certain way the first things that I noticed is the geometry within your work that kind of closeness of lines and that sort of vibrational contracting and expansion within the trickery of the geometry and then on closer inspection noticing there are very detailed cut out photographic images, found images, made images by someone who had an interest in their own personal life, um, taking pictures of their families or whatever it is. And of course, there's meaning behind that. And then meaning started to develop within me, reminding me of the times when in our own family where we would go through photographic family albums and oh you remember when this happened and you know there's a sense of reminiscence there for me there's a sense of bridging time and time time from the past and time today 
share to the high pay listeners why you have let's say created the works in this particular format compose the works in this particular format well i think that seeing um these photographic objects you know they're snapshots taken um by someone that i probably haven't met um and they're of subjects that i uh, that i don't know um but it is that sort of format that you of, of the snapshot photograph that you can relate to because everyone has their own relationship to these photo photographic images and so arranging them and organizing them according to color and cutting them into these geometries and making these abstractions you know they uh i i see it as like a way of uh widening the understanding of the it makes it less about the individual little fragment mm -hmm. and more about the experience of relating to someone else's life and that's what I find to be the most interesting responses to the work is that people reflect on their own experiences and they become these, uh, these, these little triggers for someone else's memory. Um, and those are, and like when they will happen and where they'll happen and how and what sort of story it might spark in someone looking at it, mm -hmm. I have no control over it. So it's, I find it to be really like beautiful in that way. It feels spontaneous. There's like a sense of kind of discovery. And it, and it's a similar sense that I have myself when I'm looking through um, these piles of, of photos is, you know, I might encounter uh, a face that looks really familiar. Like it happens quite often. I'll, I'll see a face and I'll be like, oh my gosh, that looks like my friend when she was a baby <laughs> or something. And then I'm thinking about that friend and I might text them and I might send them a picture of it and be like, did I just find your baby photo or whatever? And it's just like these, these moments of connection. Um, and so the way in which I, you know, put a lot of the photos together, um, it's largely intuitive it feels generative. It feels like I start, I start somewhere. Often I start a piece in the top left-hand corner of the page because that's where you write the beginning of, of a story. Um, and then I'm just, I, I put one piece down that I'm drawn to and then I continue responding to that last piece. And so a lot of the forms tend to have these rippling effects um, maybe they respond to these little kind of rules that might emerge that are just there to kind of guide the making of the thing. Mm. Um, so there's very little reworking of the pieces. I don't, you know, I'm not planning things out. It's, um, it's sort of just finding and responding. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting how you brought up story and, you know, starting from the top left hand corner, I, I, think that's that's really indicative isn't it of of the power of photography and sharing those stories visually of other people and um talking about writing as well storytelling communication includes also writing in some of those cutouts photog photographic cutouts in some places 
in your work, you'll show the background of the photograph where someone's signed the date or location or um, the name of the person that was included in that photograph. I think that was also really interesting in terms of that perspective, like behind the scenes, even further going deeper into that story and that importance of that person marking a, a space and time that was captured. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's a big part of like the story that physical photographs tell because they have, sure, they have an image on the front, um, but they're also <clears throat> printed on paper and the paper has an age and they might have a writing on the back and that might add a little something. And um, and it's and, and working with the, the physical nature of photography has been something that uh, I've just enjoyed doing. Um, it's a nice escape from the 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 images on my phone. Um, and you know, I mean, today is like an excuse, but I, I normally leave my my laptop uh, at home, and my studio is like a non-computer kind of analog area, mm -hmm. um, which uh, feels like a really important has felt like a really important thing for me to do yeah. um, in order to just live a, you know, attempt to live a balanced life. Yes, again, and it's going back to mental health as well, isn't it? Where we can get distracted with the um, digital worlds and screens. I'm actually quite the same really in terms of my studio practice. I just tend to have music playing from my iPad. Um, and I'll document the process through uh, video from my phone, but I'm barely on my on my screen when I'm in the studio. And again, it's that importance, isn't it, of just connecting with the work and just allowing sort of fresh ideas to kind of come up. And that's something that I think has really either, let's say, killed imagination or helped us explore it. And again, we're moving into AI territory as well, how how do you think this is a big question but how do you think there'll be that balance as we enter into that new future of ai and imagination human imagination and artificial imagination um wow big question yeah uh i don't know no <laughs> i can't tell the future but um i don't know i think it's kind of interesting like i was just having a conversation with a friend about um you know, what, uh, in five years, um, will my phone, will I have disabled my phone so all I can do is like send text messages and take phone calls on it? Um, because the um, the internet seems to be pretty, it's, it seems like it, it's been breaking for a while now um, in various different ways. Um, so, I mean, I, I, there's that term inshittification. Have you heard of that? The inshittification of technology where you have a you have something that, you know, starts out as a tool that is designed to suit the um the audience um and their needs. And then over time it the the company will change the tool so that it suits the shareholders. And then essentially uh the 
tool will change and it will just, you know, the, the social social media is kind of what I'm thinking of. It'll uh, essentially just suit the, the owners of the company and it won't be good for anyone else. Um, and so just like this degradation of the technology. Um, and I think a lot of people have seen that across many, many platforms. And the question was like, okay, well, do we, do we, uh, do we just replace it with another platform? Mm. Or do we just um, kind of blow it up and and try to live differently? Um, and I mean, I'm I'm interested to see like AI be used as as a tool for creativity, and I think some people are doing that well right now. But I think there's going to be you know there's a lot of uh, that it's going to do that's probably just going to continue that sort of uh, what are you discovering at this moment in your work? Um, I think I'm, I feel like I'm always uh, rediscovering the way in which my process tends to be very cyclical. And so it always kind of shows up in a different way. And so um, uh, I'm definitely discovering this uh, sense of joy that I'm getting from these very intuitive pastel drawings that I've been doing in the studio. And I'm not exactly sure where they're leading, but some of them seem like they want to be paintings. And um, and so it's uh, it's... Yeah, the, there's a there's a, a sense of discovery around reengaging with with um, painting and drawing in a more deliberate way. Um, I don't think I quite mentioned it before, but you know, like growing up as as an artist, uh, as like a teenager, uh, someone who I enjoyed drawing and painting, and I had like a group of friends that watched Bob Ross together and made paintings when I was in middle school. And um, and then we did like Wednesday night art groups, which was like three hours every Wednesday night, basically throughout my whole high school. And it was like, you just work on whatever you want for that period of time. It didn't have to be anything. And a lot of a lot of what I was doing was like making drawings and paintings from photographs. You know, it's that stuff you do as a teenager, you know, you're cutting out things from magazines and making making paintings of them. And then um, and that kind of actually led me to uh, want to take my own photographs is kind of what got me into photography was that I wanted to be taking the sources that I would be making a painting from. Um, and then at some point I was like, well, why am I making a painting if I could just focus on making the photograph? So there's this whole sense of sort of recycling of uh, different mediums and approaches that, that in, my, in my process, over a long, long period of time. And now I'm finding the things that are being pushed out are like drawings and paintings again. And um, so there's, there's, it's, it's a little, you know, I feel like it, I know it's good because I'm a little nervous about it. Yeah. So I'm going to try to <laughs> follow, follow that. Yeah. There's always that feeling, isn't it? When you, there's like, oh, I'm really excited about it. I'm also kind of scared because I haven't done this form in this way before, but I'm like really excited about it. Um, 
Yeah, I love that. I actually kind of like that feeling. It's it's the feeling that I used to get when I was performing a lot, that feeling of just about to go on stage. Or for me, that I also have that feeling like before I have an opening for my own show, which the last solo show I had, I wasn't unable to have a, an opening because we had lockdown. <laughs> so that was a really strange, abortive feeling as an artist. Um, but it, it just sounds like, again, you're going backwards in order to go forwards again with this idea of time and, and story and, and, and also maybe the therapy as well, the mental health readdressing as well, unpacking layers potentially, or maybe I'm just reading too much into it. Sounds all about right. I think you're <laughs> getting it pretty good. <laughs> and uh, have you got any other shows coming up soon? Um, I, I just had this show in Portland. Um, I, I stacked my calendar pretty, pretty high last year. And I had, um, I had a solo show in New York at Davidson gallery. And then I had another solo show that the one that you were referring to earlier in Santa Monica. And then this show just opened. And so it was back to back to back. And so, um, I'm really looking forward to having space to breathe a little bit um right now i'm i'm kind of excited the thing that i have that you can see in the background or there it is yeah Mm -hmm. um is actually i don't you know i haven't done too many of them but it's a commission and it's actually uh quite a different format than i've experienced before and it's one that i'm really excited about um there's a collector who sent me an entire um, an entire box of his mother's photographs and he he uh, you know he we have this understanding that I will treat them like any other materials and um, I'm making him a series of five of these pieces from from his own images and there's uh, something that feels really right about this sort of exchange, you know, it, it, uh, it's kind of exciting to have, to be working with pictures just from one individual and um, to kind of serve as this little conduit where I, I'm going to be, you know, uh, trans, transforming, translating these, these like family heirlooms into a new sort of form of a family heirloom. So rather than it sitting in a box in a cupboard in a closet or something, it you know, they'll be out but in a new sort of form and have a new kind of life to them. And uh so it's really yeah, it's really interesting coming together. I also feel like I'm kind of having my own thoughts and getting to know yeah. this family that I that I I didn't know before. Sort of more time. sort of more intimately as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's also a level of trust is what I'm hearing as well, that this person has entrusted you with these really precious images and of their mother, the mother that gave birth to them, you know, Yeah. and you're giving birth to or rebirthing new images of her through the works that you're creating for him. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it, I mean, I think in order for, you know, a commission to work, there has to be a good kind of sense of 
trust. And um, yeah, the way that we set set up the kind of parameters around it was that I would receive the materials and then I would review them and make a suggestion as to a size or a number or a, 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 what could I do with these? And then I would say, hey, if if I was me, I would... <laughs> I would do this with this. <laughs> is is that what you would is are you done with that? And um and so that sort of those sort of parameters um I think have been kind of interesting. It have been really interesting. It's been kind of a cool, cool back and forth and now they're starting to happen. So Yeah. I yeah, it's something where I'm like I'm like, oh if this goes well, like I would this would be really interesting to continue doing. Yeah. Almost like a service. Exactly. Exactly. And again, it's like sounding like the photographic service as well when you go and like get your photos developed. <laughs> you know. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm the developer. Exactly, you see. <laughs> and um in terms of furthering your discoveries in terms of like travel, you know, we met in London in Soho House and in, in Soho, my my house, which is in Soho. Uh that was the first time you were in the UK, wasn't it? It was, yeah. yeah. It was quite, it was quite lovely. Oh, I'm so glad. Like, I'm so proud of London. So, like, I'm so glad that you went to visit London, and then you travelled a bit more. You went further up north, I think. I think did you go to Scotland too? I didn't go to Scotland, um, but I spent time in the north, in um, uh, near Lancaster. Yeah. And then the Lakes District up there, yeah. Oldswater Lake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oldswater Lake. That was like another <laughs> fucking world. It was I, I, so incredible. Oh I don't know. Like it was, it was. It it's was beautiful. Kind of, it was a wild day. It's beautiful. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't appreciate it that much when I was eleven because I did this Duke of Edinburgh prize. So the Duke of Edinburgh was obviously the father of um, King Charles now, and there was this uh, kind of sort of trekking that we did. Uh, so we hiked and we 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 tracked the Lake District and at one point we were really high up that I couldn't see in front of me because it was so, <laughs> it was so misty and so cold and I remember descending down and just I wasn't able to kind of keep pace because the descent was so steep and then suddenly being confronted with lots and lots of sheep and it was wet and I didn't like it. And then we had to go back to camp and that was the last time I went to the Lake District. But <laughs> those are my memories of the Lake District. But it is it is beautiful. I mean, I think going back as an adult, it's, you know, it's one of those uh, amazing kind of wonders of the world, really. I So, yeah, so I was there in June, I believe, and it was, you know, very warm. And so um, I was there with my partner and we were just hiking in our swimsuits. And oh, so it was wow. very hot. And so it was about every hour we would swim in the lake and then continue. Because we, we, we like hiked, we took the steamship. Amazing. Um, and then we, we, the steamship dropped us off and then we hiked back. So it was something like nine miles or something. Wow. Um, anyway, um, saw the sheep. It, and it was, it was just really lush. It was really just not what I was expecting. It was... It was quite a different landscape. Uh, so, wow! Yeah, sounds like I loved loved visiting England. Had a great time. Sounds uh, like you had I'll a much back. 
much better experience than I did in the Lake District. It sounds idyllic. Um, give it another, give it another I'll, try. I'll give it another shot. <laughs> I'll definitely give it another shot. Make sure to wear thick socks and boots next time. And, um, you know, that they're not, they don't get drenched in water, rain and we'll, deep mess. We'll go, we'll go well. together next time. All right. And I'll show good. you how I did it. Okay. Then- yeah. <laughs> Oh, great um and i know that there are also like you can find lagoons there as well like beautiful paradise sort of um spots there as well and would you ever think about or have you ever been invited to show in the uk because i know brian had a show in london and that's how i discovered him i went to um his show on east castle street just around the corner from where I was born and raised. And I was just blown away by his work and I approached him and luckily he said, yes. And now we're having this conversation due to me dropping into that show um, to that connection. Have you had a show there or would you, would you be able to, have you been invited? I, uh, it has not happened yet, but I would, I would love to. Um, It was nice to spend, I was in London for a couple of weeks. So I went to a number of different galleries. and then, uh, and yeah, I would, I would love to do something in London. I'd, it would be nice to have another excuse to come back. Yeah. And, um, and afterwards I spent some time in Paris and was totally blown away by a lot of galleries and spots in Paris. I had such a lovely time there too. So London and Paris have been, you know, on my, uh, on my little, uh, not quite a vision board, but they've been on my mind. Yeah. Did you did you visit uh, Le Marais in Paris? Uh, I don't I don't believe I did. It's like the 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 coolest art district in Paris. It's just so it's so cool. The most amazing um, galleries there, and that's usually where. Oh, I, hang out. I thought you were. I thought it was a place. Um, I might have. You probably have. Yeah, you probably have. <laughs> There's lots of international galleries that you probably have to be honest. Um, but I highly suggest you visiting it's so cool and um but yeah definitely let us know if you're having a show in the UK in London um and uh, in terms of just other questions maybe involving inspiration um you know being inspired to to visit the UK again and, and having a show in London what has been your main inspiration currently what have been your three main inspirations in your work, but also in your personal life, if you can share that with the high pay listeners. Mm. Ooh, three. Um, well, I mean, a big one that I have continually gone back to um, has been this book that... Uh, it's like the the work of Joseph Albers and Annie Albers, mm. um, and she, you know Annie Albers uh, did a lot of work in textiles, and Joseph Albers did a lot of work in color. And um, I think as a duo, they're quite an inspirational pair. And just their work feels so iconic and timeless um, in so many different ways. And so they're just like kind of a someone that I continually look at. And I have a book in my studio here. Um, so you said an inspiration. 
for like like artists I'm looking at, but also not necessarily. Oh, um, oh gosh, uh, I've gotten into cold plunging. Cold water, I feel yeah. like, has been a huge uh, inspiration and balancing in my life in the last um, couple of years. But more recent, I mean, I uh, I started uh, I started surfing during the pandemic, and um, it's something I never thought I would do. But I I fell totally in, in love with it, and I'm 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 not a great surfer, but I have been really into it and there's been kind of uh a lot of trips and uh we surf out here on the peninsula and um in washington so it's cold cold water um but uh there's a there's a meditative kind of quality towards uh when you're when you're in cold water and then you're focusing on the waves and there's something that i've been it's like a feeling that i've been trying to capture and mm -hmm. bring into the studio with me as well um it's uh, a gentle calm and focus um and then yeah also just this winter we've been taking a lot of cold swims in the lake um and uh that has been those have been like huge kind of things to help balance the inner studio and the outer studio life mm. That's gorgeous. And uh, yeah, it, I mean, I think you'd fit right really well in England <laughs> because the water is very cold there. I, I'm the complete opposite. I, I have a really good friend of mine who likes to um, go into the ponds and swim in London. And there's some beautiful ponds in Highgate and uh, Hampstead. I went swimming. And when I was you in London, I went to uh, Hampstead Heath. Oh my god, you went to Hampstead Heath. That's so amazing. That is that is traditional. Um and uh that great. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. Um and what would you offer as tips or tricks to someone who's maybe starting out as an artist? Um I would say um a big like something that I think is important is to uh, is to make things as much as you can first. Um, there's a lot of reasons to not make things, mm. but um, it's better it's better to just make things and worry about whether they're don't worry about whether they're good or not because it's not up to you anyway. Um, I think I think developing like a sense of healthy kind of distance from what it is that you're doing from the making and for from the output mm -hmm. um, is uh, it's been really crucial for for me, you know, to um, it's also very liberating to not to not have to like worry about what I'm doing and whether or not it's quote unquote good or bad. It's just sort of the result of um a process and so finding a process that makes sense and trusting that mm -hmm. gorgeous and would you like to share one more for the high pay listeners 
Um, hmm, do I have any other wisdom? <laughs> <laughs> or tips? <laughs> um, hmm. What's a, what's like a, a category of, of tip? Well, I heard you I'm mentioning, a... I heard you mentioning that you don't <clears throat> bring your computer into the studio, which I think is probably one, isn't it? It's just a kind of not have that distraction isn't it so that you can just focus on the analog in your work and bring in the imagination naturally yeah oh um i would say um i mean for for me and perhaps others um routine is really really important i mean my i have really kind of strong i need strong routines in order to function as a human mm -hmm. Um, but, and, and I feel like my routines are always kind of like changing, but, um, they're always, I'm always feel like I'm slowly optimizing my, my routine, but, um, you know, I have, I have like my, my morning routine is that from wake up until about 11 is, it is just the take care of lifetime. And that's like the email time. And it's like, that's that chunk and then that closes and then there's studio time and then lunch and then there's like dinner time and then there's social time and sort of this uh these sort of very uh I'm in such a habit of going to the studio and making things that if I'm not doing it it feels very odd um yeah. so um art art has been a, a very important and healthy habit for me so if you can make it a habit that's beautiful. And um, and then just lastly, what would you share as your word of wisdom or the thing that you've discovered the most and that you found deeper meaning in? Uh, I think I've, I found deeper meaning in continually rediscovering ways in which everything is connected to one another um, and I think making art is a very and asking questions and being thoughtful is a really way a really great way to like honor that uh, that idea of connection um, and to celebrate it Mm, absolutely I definitely concur and again it's so perfectly apt for your work it's just this constant rediscovering and going back in past timelines and then present timelines and this reconnection and connection with people as well and stories and interconnectedness too that's it for now hi pay listeners i hope you've enjoyed this episode with joe make sure to let us know and tune in and turn on next thursday with another inspirational guest ciao for now